Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live somewhere in Georgia. Uh, it is the 15th day of February, 2015, and I am joined this morning by Josh Wiley of the Journalistic Revolution, One Step Beyond Me. Josh, thanks for uh, coming on board this morning, man. Appreciate it. Oh, of course. Take two. Yeah. All right. So um, it has been verified. It has been verified that my mixing board sucks balls, everyone. We just recorded 25 minutes of audio that uh, got scrapped because nobody could hear Josh. And so now we are, uh, we're going for take two. So, Josh, say something. Let me make sure I'm picking you up here. Uh, hopefully everything is coming through loud and clear. If yeah. not, then I am also recording a backup copy this time. <laughs> oh my god, I need to have like backups for the backups. All right, so let's get into it really quickly because we like did we did, we did cover this topic uh, briefly, and um, we actually did a pretty good job. But um, you guys would only be able to hear me, and um, it would sound like I'm talking to myself. So, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for making January my um, best month in six months. Uh, you guys are out there um, spreading the word about the show, uh, sharing it with people. So um, we always enjoy, um, or at least I do, I always enjoy seeing um, my shows do well and uh, people doing what um, what I ask. And that is just, uh, if you like what we do here, uh, share the show with people you love, people you like, people you know. And uh, if you are so inclined and if you do get value from this, then feel free to donate at uh, wearenotcattle.net under the Donate tab. It's on the right-hand side. And that will allow me to um, move my operation forward and um, get a mixing board so I can actually start doing live radio again. And um, maybe get me some training on it so I actually don't screw it up like I did last time. So let's jump into the topic, Josh, because we just covered it for 30 minutes. Now we're going to um, basically cover this in about 15 minutes. And this is the idea of vaccination that's going around here now. Um, there is a big hoopla in the mainstream and off-mainstream media. And uh, I will pull up that old article that I just had uh, just so we can go over that. But um, let's talk about what you're seeing in the mainstream media, Josh, and um, and this idea that um, the people that don't vaccinate are basically killing everyone. So it's all it's all our fault. It's all the anti-vaxxers. It's all the people that question government or question, you know, monolithic um, big pharma. So it's it's on us, basically. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, in the brief periods of time that I do encounter the mainstream media, I'm seeing a lot of uh, fear porn, a lot of hatred out there on both sides of the dialectic. Uh, it's very interesting. I think, you know, if anyone, typically, if you're locked into any given cable news station, if you're still trapped in the establishment paradigm, uh, you'll exclusively watch one station for the most part. So a conservative Republican will watch nothing but Fox News, and a liberal will watch nothing but MSLSD. If you're Flipping between those two stations on the vaccine issue, it's very interesting that they're saying identical things. Uh, of course, you know, it's getting very difficult to kind of substantiate the fact that these are indeed two separate ideologies, two separate parties, when they're so aligned on, on so many issues like, like war and forced vaccination. Um, but at the same time, you know, once you realize that people don't investigate propaganda on a holistic basis, uh, they, would, they would never know that... Uh, these their supposed enemy is is taking the exact same stance as them on the vaccine issue in particular. I, I would agree. Um, the analysis that we did before, but I want everybody to hear this because this is um, this is crucial in understanding how these operations work. Now we talked uh, at, at length, or actually Josh talked at length, that wasn't recorded uh, a few minutes ago about Edward Bernays and the idea of propaganda. And now since the um, redaction of the Smith-Mund Act and uh, the CIA and other intelligence agencies are now um, authorized to um, legally propagandize the public. So for any of you that understand the history of the CIA, it was never supposed to operate domestically. It was always supposed to be about foreign intelligence gathering, and it was supposed to be the – the um, what, what would you say? Like the aggregator of all the information for foreign from foreign intelligence groups or operatives, Josh? Yeah, that, that, 
that that was essentially what um, that was what Truman uh, what, sold it to us as, right? Yeah, that's what Harry Truman sold uh, the CIA to us as. I mean, you kind of know that he was uh, a, a lying son of a bleep. Well, he was a thirty third degree Freemason, but don't look at that. That's no big deal. Uh, Exactly. But, I mean, even if you didn't understand his secret society uh, kind of connections, when he, uh, you know, sets Alan Dulles up to be uh, the head of it and recruits Wild Bill Donovan, who is nothing more than essentially this insane cowboy who is in, does spec ops, you know, it, during World War II, then mm -hmm. you kind of got the, the, the inkling that this might be a paramilitary organization. Sure. Um, and yeah. so now we see it in full effect with the the way that vaccines are pushed on the public. Um, and it's through no fault of your own people. If you went to a public school, you didn't really receive an education. And before everybody gets offended, if you're a teacher, uh, let me explain. There were, there were types of educations that we used to receive in this country before in the 1950s when all the standardization and testing and monitoring and, and um, over-analytics came into play, where... You would actually teach the children in the classroom, and this was when we had the the one classroom. Teach the children in the classroom, and then the other children would teach the younger groups. And that one, that in, in, inherently necessitates learning because you have to learn a topic in order to be able to explain it to um, somebody else. And it's one of the best ways proven to learn is to, to read about a topic and then try to explain it to somebody else. And that's when you start really understanding and learning. So in the 1950s, we started taking critical thinking out of schools because we wanted to become a nation of workers instead of a nation of free thinkers and entrepreneurs. This was nothing by our doing. This was all done by the people that would, um, that would want such, um, such workers like um, big corporations and mega banks and people like that that don't want uppity people knowing things and being able to think critically because then we can't propagandize you and you can't buy our lies. So – to that, Josh, before I go into this propaganda piece right here? Oh, excuse me? Anything you wanted to add to that before we... Oh, uh, just... I, I, would, I would briefly posit that this uh, kind of uh, alteration of the American education system really starts in the post-Civil War Reconstruction period in the 1800s uh, at the university level, and um, the, the kind of, uh, um, I guess, opening up of this program on a, on a larger scale did start kind of in the in the... Well, at least Norman Dodd, uh, mm. the chief researcher for the Reese Committee, uh, when he went to the Rockefeller Foundation and the Ford Foundation, found out that in the 50s that these people had been slowly changing the American education system. But, but by their own admission, they said that they had been at work uh, on this uh, by you know, presidential decrees since, uh, since the early 19-teens, around the creation, time of the creation of the Federal Reserve, so... So there we go. There's a little bit of background. And so once again, we're not conspiracy theorists here. We're actually just people studying the conspiracy, which actually does exist. You know, reading congressional documents and stuff like that, you know, things that most normal people don't do. See, there they you go. Outsource their critical thinking to mainstream news websites. There we go. Outlets. Template number one. And then template number two is just ignore, 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 deny, 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 and enjoy and drink yourself into oblivion and go and watch football all weekend and play fantasy football and try to find out when the next softball league starts and once again not blaming you people but truth will scare you and that's why most people want to stay away from truth because if you do start understanding what's really going on you can't look the other way and once once again like i've said before many times once you understand the idea of self-ownership and volunteerism and all of these other different things that we propagate here you can't uh, revert back the other way because uh, voluntary exchange is the only way that um that i see the this society moving forward rather than using government and um pointing guns at people to force them to do things that they don't want to do will always um, will always suppress the people and will always leave you feeling um, un well, let's see what's the best word um, not empowered but you would feel powerless small. yes small yeah. there we go so here we go here is the quick um, couple of paragraphs from this Washington Post blog and. Um, this is a propaganda hit piece targeted towards people that have no critical thinking skills because he uses two logical fallacies in the manner of about um, six, six sentences. So here we go. Um, oop, we're going to scroll up a little bit. There are 664 new measles cases in 27 states last year, according to the CDC. This is the biggest number of annual increase we've seen in nearly a quarter of a century. The vast majority of people who have contracted the disease were unvaccinated. Most how he says the vast majority and not everyone. So that would destroy the narrative. So you got to use something that sounds really big.
majority. And what's a majority, Josh? What is it? Over 51% in that a majority? Indeed. Huh. Two wolves and a sheep deciding on who's for dinner. Oh, man. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Yep, don't define terms or Break away from the paradigm. Oh, these people were unvaccinated, including dozens of related cases in the outbreak of the Disney World in Orange County, California, which is basically ground zero for the current epidemic of anti-vaccine hysteria. Hysteria, Josh. It's hysterical. So, in 2014, a AP GFK study survey, excuse me, found that only 53% of Americans were confident that vaccines were safe and effective, which is a similar number of proportion to the people that believe that ghosts can haunt your house. I don't need to make my case, uh, I don't need to make the case of how harmful these beliefs can be. It's been done plenty of times before. And moreover, cases study show, case studies show that arguing with anti-vaxxers, remember we're anti-vaxxers, we're all one group of people now, if you don't trust government and big pharma, you're an anti-vaxxer only makes them more confident in their beliefs so let's talk about the red herring first josh which is the the idea that um people that believe that um that ghost haunting house are crazy because we only see five percent five percent of the light in the visible spectrum anyway so that other 95 percent just throw it out because we know it's the arrogance of humanity once again and this guy i don't know who you are but if you don't believe that there are things that work outside of your visible spectrum i am so sorry to believe to bring this point up to you but there's this stuff called ultraviolet light and ultraviolet radiation that is happening right now. Oh my gosh. Wow, look at that. You can't see it. It does not exist. These people are psychotic. So Josh, what was the other logical fallacy in that little paragraph? You brought it up earlier in the in well, the first upon, take of this show. Yeah, uh, upon further reflection, I would be more apt to call that that first fallacy a straw man. No, and that's I very mean, much does... a straw man. It is a red herring too, but it, it because the red herring is very ob- obscure so i would say the the straw man is a is a better characteristic for this and if for those of you playing yes for those of you playing the home game josh describe to them a straw man fallacy briefly so straw man fallacy is essentially when you uh take someone's uh ideas and and put in place uh, a misrepresentation of them attack the misrepresentation uh, to, to gain credibility for your point. In fact, I would also add, uh, of course, the numerical fallacy in which one cites statistics that aren't relevant to the case, yet nevertheless, because you're throwing numbers at people, uh, it influences their thinking. Of course, the haunted house statistic uh, being a great example of that. Mm-hmm. But there's also uh, an interesting, uh, you know, kind of post hoc ergo propter hoc, uh, which is essentially a, a fancy Latin that just means, um, you know, very similar to a straw man fallacy, um, misrepresenting one's ideals, attacking the misrepresentation, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and then kind of claiming you know, victory, right? And then claiming victory, like right here, where he says that um, that people that believe this uh, also believe that houses could be haunted by ghosts, and you know, once again, that's not what they're saying at all. But it gives the it gives the the brain dead public. This idea of, oh, I don't want to believe, I don't want to be somebody that believes in ghosts. That's just kooky. I need to get my vaccine. So it's this idea that we're, um, that we're seeing these attack pieces all over, and they're, and they're basically targeted towards people that can't critically think. And I wanted to pull that up as just an, a, um, a representation of what we're facing here because since we are running into a lot of propaganda, I had a theory, and it seems to be a pretty good one, and it seems to be propagating pretty well, that – a lot of this MMR stuff, Josh, stems around the fact that um, that um, the CDC whistleblower, I think there's uh, three or four now, that are coming forward and saying that they deliberately faked the results of the MMR study in order to hit the target numbers for uh, the pharmaceutical company so that it actually could get passed and get put into the population. And I don't know if the MMR or not, but you guys might want to do some research. There was one that was never nationally standardized, and I think it's the MMR, that was never nationally standardized. But what happened was the states adopted it on the state level, the uh, number that was critical mass. So they just said um, as a default, yeah, we're just going to make this mandatory, even though it didn't go through the proper procedural standpoints. And um, I'm going to bet that it's the MMR shot. But the reason I think all this stuff is going on, everyone – 
is because now there's going to be significant questions asked because now they're trying to find the idea that the MMR shot could be linked to autism and to other degenerative disorders. And um, for those of you that um, that don't know, there are a lot of adjuvants that are put into the MMR vaccine and because it's a combo shot. And there are also things that you need to be aware of, like the actual vaccine insert says that it can give you the measles. Point blank. And has a possibility of giving you the virus it's supposed to protect you from. So make all the excuses that you want if you're on the other side of the coin. But from my standpoint, uh, number one, it's not the German measles, so it's not going to kill you. Um, Josh, what was the number you came up with earlier that, uh, what was it, five people in the last ten years? Yes. Okay. According to the CDC's own statistics. So five people have died from MMR, or excuse me, from measles in the last ten years. Now, everybody's going to say, well, that's due to the fact that it's been almost eliminated. No, no, no. You don't understand. The strand that they're talking about is not deadly. It's not. I mean, it might be deadly to somebody that's very immune deficient, or, but, you know, a common cold can get those people. So it's not like we're, we're trying to color outside the lines here. We're just trying to get the facts. And the facts of the matter is, is that um, large vaccine manufacturers such as Merck, GlaxoSmithKline, and others – Make billions of And do you think that they might have a little extra cash to throw it around and say, maybe this is a good idea for you guys to get, even if it's proven to not help you like the flu shot this year? So, Josh, uh, anything else before we move away from the vaccine topic? I kind of, you know, hog the mic right there, but um, we've already discussed this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to talk about these things twice. Um, but I mean, there's there's a lot that we could go into on on this topic. Uh, I, I guess really quickly though, something that we talked about in our first recording, um, if you were to kind of extract from you know the fear porn campaigns of uh, of Ebola and this recent um, um, measles outbreak story, uh, and simply look at the legislation that they're trying to ram through. Uh, the Ebola um, kind of propaganda campaign uh, end, ended, kind of culminated in um, in the removal of a lot of um, different kind of fast tracking method or the safety measures to mm-hmm. fast track vaccine manufacture for Ebola, but another list of specific diseases um, of which measles is one uh, for specific companies like Merck, the main manufacturer of the MMR vaccine. So now, uh, you know, a few months later, after the Ebola fear campaign has died down and it wasn't, uh, well, maybe it was effective in getting into Africa and taking a lot of minerals and oil, but it wasn't effective in terms of getting people to run out and take their shots. Um, So now we have round two in which this kind of Fabian process might be introduced uh, where you might not see an overt, you know, uh, forced vaccination campaign or mandatory vaccination campaign, but you will probably see uh, things like uh, I don't know, you know, an increase in your healthcare premium uh, if you are unvaccinated or have children who are unvaccinated. Now, so, what, now here's a good question for you: what What would happen? What happens to these poor little souls that really do want to cozy up to the establishment and the status quo and really do want to believe? That there is, um, there's pixie dust in these vaccines, and then they're never going to hurt anybody, and there's never going to be any side effects. And what happens if it comes out that they did falsify this documentation? What then, Josh? What do you think the reaction from people that you and I have been trying to reach, and um, many others that are in the vaccine fight are trying to reach? And once again, it's not this idea that we're against vaccination because there is some evidence to show that it could be beneficial, but. Um, the long-term studies have not really been done on vaccination because you, we don't have enough data yet. So the idea of giving these, um, these um, pharmaceutical companies carte blanche to do whatever they want and fast-track the vaccines uh, it could really become catastrophic if, if it comes out for them that, uh, that these MMR shots do cause uh, autism at some level, which has already been proven in an Italian court. Correct, Josh? Indeed. Well, I mean, the science of inoculation, I don't think anyone will argue, is not sound. Uh, you know, introduction of a virus to the immune system, so the immune system knows how to essentially defend itself from any given virus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this change in the 70s when people started using live viruses as opposed to dead viruses, uh, when things got a little bit sketchy, when they started mixing multiple diseases and you really don't know which diseases you're getting in this shot. And then, of course, instead of delivering fresh vaccine directly, you know, to your doctor who would give you the shot, now they send, you know, uh, this vaccine with a 10-year shelf life that has thimerosal, which 
contains mercury and formaldehyde and all these little goodies uh, that, you know, do quantifiably uh, cause a number of different health issues uh, within the body, especially when they're given to you at a young age. So, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, vaccination went from a process where, you know, it was very time time sensitive. These vaccines were fresh. You had to go to your doctor to get them. And now in various parts of the country, you can literally, I'm not making this up, get a vaccine for free with a Happy Meal. Yeah! You can get, you can get vaccinated at McDonald's. So, you know, I don't know uh, you personally, Jake, uh, uh, but for me, I don't know if McDonald's has ever offered a healthy product ever. Mm-hmm. So I guess why would vaccines from McDonald's be any different? But- Here we go. I-, I got a sound effect for you, Josh. You ready for this? There we go. Vaccine makers make some, yeah. Vaccine makers making it. more money. Yep. There we go. So anyway, we're gonna try to um, try to add a little bit of flair to the show, or at least I am, guys, because uh, I actually have not been slacking. Uh, I had my computer crash last time, so I had to go out and get an external hard drive and copy all my stuff over, which um, which took forever and a year. And now we are running a somewhat quasi clean machine. Um, as soon as I get a new operating system loaded on it, we will be good to go. So I think we can close out the vaccine topic. Um, now let's move into the topic that we were talking about before we were so rudely interrupted by a technology of my mixing board, which um, failed me once again. Actually, that was in-user error, Josh. I didn't press the right button. So uh, we can blame that one on me. So moving on, everyone. Let's talk about the Ukraine, and then we'll talk about um, Obama's blank check that he would like to have um, to go over and fight um, ah, whoever it is this week. I mean, just, I don't know. Spin the globe, pick a country, let's go. We need boots on the ground. They got minerals. They got ISIS there. They got terrorists. They got something. All right, here we go. All right, so this is... Um, this is the idea of what we're, we're facing here in the Ukraine, and this was John McCain um, talking about uh, how we need to arm the Ukrainians. Remember, um, this is a nation that uh, American NGOs, USAID, which is also involved in the Ebola scandal, um, which we have seen no documentation for anybody actually having Ebola. Every picture that you find, and Josh and I, you... You and I broke this down a couple of shows ago. You guys can go find it, the Ebola scare, and... Um, there's actually been no video footage, no um, no footage of anybody dying. You got these footage of people sitting on the back of like wagons or um, um, vans and then just falling out for no reason. Um, it looks like a crisis actor, but you know, then again, you'd actually have to have critical thinking to know. The United States and uh, many other nations do um, employ uh, crisis actors, which are people that are paid to go out and fake stuff to get you to be afraid. So here's John McCain. Trying to um, trying to get it going, man. Rah, rah, hoorah, USA, USA. Here we go. John McCain. Republican Senator John McCain, who chairs the Armed Services Committee, argued that arming Ukrainian troops will aid diplomacy. If we help Ukrainians increase the military cost to the Russian forces that have invaded their country, how long can Putin sustain a war that he tells his people is not happening? That's why we must provide defensive arms to Ukraine. We must. Item, Josh. All right, so here's the, here's the next clip, and then we'll break both of these down. So here's McCain again, you know, lobbying. He's got a, he's got a big payday involved in this, I'm pretty sure. Somebody's got some, quote-unquote, campaign contributions ready to rock and roll for this guy. So here we go. Um, this is on cluster bombs, which are becoming a... Um, a big question mark over there, and Josh and I are also going to talk about the other bomb that was um, maybe a bomb, maybe wasn't a bomb, or was it a bomb? All right, here we go. Can you hear these clips, by the way? We've seen the skies over Donetsk. It's suspected that it could be incendiary munitions, which international conventions ban from use in civilian populated areas. Back in July, they were reportedly dropped on cities controlled by anti-government forces. Well, international observers have previously caught the Ukrainian army using prohibited weapons. The use of cluster bombs in populated areas was confirmed by the human rights in um, October. The watchdogs report stress this could amount to war crimes. But for some U.S. politicians, Kiev's use of cluster bombs is justifiable. I think that if we would have provided them with the weapons they need, they wouldn't have had to use cluster bombs. It's partially our fault. Oh, it's our fault, dude. And thank you to the 
for picking this up, by the way. If anybody doesn't listen to them, highly recommended. And um, yes, I did um, take some take some cues from them because this was uh, this was gold, dude. I mean, how great is that? It's our fault, Josh. It is our fault for not doing enough. We just need well, to do more. It's very funny that you know John McStain uh, says that. Because if you were to examine some leaked documents, again, well, it's a hacked document, technically. Uh, so you kind of have to take some of these hacking with a grain of salt. But a group called Cyber Bakut uh, in November of last year got their hands on some documentation uh, that they claim is... All right, sorry, you were, your, your video was degrading a little bit there. So we weren't picking you up fully. What was the name of the group again? The name of the group is Cyber Berkut, uh, okay. who initiated a hack uh, in uh, November of last year, and they claim that they have documentation uh, from essentially June of 2014, mm -hmm. which says uh, very clearly that uh, Washington had already supplied the Ukraine with 400 sniper rifles, 2,000 assault rifles, 720 hand grenade launchers, nearly 200 mortars, and more than 70,000 shells for said mortars, 150 Stinger missiles, and 420 anti-tank missiles, and that this uh, shipment uh, also coincided with Barack Obama's non-lethal aid to Ukraine, in which he gave them $5 million in body armor, night vision goggles, uh, and additional communications equipment for the Ukrainian military. All hand-delivered by Brian Williams. Thanks, Brian. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Could have so, been a misremembering, though. You know, oh, he did. He just misremembered taking all that stuff over there. So, you know, this is what we're talking about when we, um, when we start looking at the Ukraine, and we'll, we'll backtrack it a little bit. To talk about the important point we made on the on the last take, Josh, and that is um, when we when we start to understand what goes on here, um, any time that you see a, a country get destabilized, it is typically not just because you didn't go with the American ideology or the Anglo-American establishment, but it's typically because you want this silly little thing called freedom. And anytime any country says that I want to be free and I don't want to be dependent on the EU and I don't want to be dependent on the United States and maybe I don't want to use gold, you know, oil-backed currency to trade my oil, maybe I'd like to use something like gold or a euro or something like that, typically doesn't work out too well for you. So, Josh, let's talk a little bit about why we got to this place in, in the Ukraine and then we can kind of um, kind of close the book uh, talking about the, uh, the interesting um, – explosion that we saw so let's talk about what you and i discussed in the car the other day the events leading up to the ukraine destabilization and the removal of the of the person that was in power at that point in time yeah well uh you know of course back in late 2012 early 2013 kind of time frame um, you had some mainstream media reports uh, about former president, former Ukrainian president Viktor Yanukovych, of course, who's recently been uh, replaced by NATO by um, uh, some some people from a party known as Svoboda in Ukraine, which is a known neo-Nazi party and has been for the past ten years. Uh, replaced him, uh, replacing Yanukovych with um, uh, Petro Poroshenko. Imagine that, um, America. Uh, you know, fuck the EU, right? Uh, to quote Victoria Newland um, or Victoria Noodleman, which is her real name, uh, changed it. I don't know why. Uh, hmm. Interesting. I don't think Noodle. <laughs> I don't think Noodle plays too well in politics, so you probably wouldn't be too strong there. Who is it, Noodle? Hmm. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, but um, so, anyways, if we look at two sources uh, from 2000. 11 2012 2013 time frame uh one of whom is one of whom this article is from the christian science monitor uh the other is from al jazeera so kind of take away you know the 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 people who are delivering this information to you there's a couple of lenses. The there's a couple uh, of so lenses. one is uh from uh, uh the press corps in moscow from again csm uh, even though Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin arrived in Kiev Tuesday with up to $9 billion in annual benefits for Ukraine's troubled economy, uh, in return for joining a Moscow-led customs union, which already includes Belarus and Kazakhstan, Yanukovych reportedly rebuffed him. So here we see Yanukovych, you know, in 2011-2012 not wanting to align himself with Moscow. Now from Al Jazeera... Uh, in 2013, we have yet another uh, interesting story. Ukraine at crossroads after rejecting EU pact. 
On November 21st of 2013, the Ukrainian government decided to cancel plans to seek an association uh, agreement with the European Union, which would have led to Ukraine's economic integration into the continental bloc, but stopped short of membership. Now, the, these two stories are also coinciding with uh, Yanukovych not wanting to take uh, an IMF bailout package. So much like uh, Gaddafi in Libya, who I'm not saying was a good guy by any stretch of the imagination, um, but he decided to take what I will term the third way. He did not want to ally himself with the Anglo-American establishment. He did not want to ally himself with the Eastern power brokers either. And of course, when that happens to you, the third way is, is certain destruction. Woohoo! Yeah, your country <laughs> is leveled, and then uh, everyone rushes in and decides to you know fight over the scraps. Yep. Like right now, of course, we have Saudi Arabian and British. Uh, Turkish mercenaries running around in Libya deciding who's going to carve up those oil fields. Mm -hmm. uh, just like now, we have a number of, you know, disparate political parties uh, trying to carve up the Ukraine. And of course, the, the people of the Ukraine are the, are the only ones who truly suffer in this conflict. I would agree with that. And, you know, let's talk about what we saw. Um, that's a great breakdown, by the way. And just once again, food for thought, everyone. Now, we don't have all the answers because we don't have all the data, but we can look at the data we have and say, wait, this kind of looks fishy. So, that's all we're trying to point out here, once again, using critical thinking to ask questions and maybe come to some conclusions. So when we – speaking of asking questions and coming to some conclusions, Josh, there was a spectacular um, explosion the other day. And I'm going to link this in the show notes so you guys can check out the show notes at wearenotcattle.net under the show tab or links to the podcast show notes. And I'll uh, put this video and um, the article that I talked about before as well as a couple of these other audio clips in there as well. So if you guys want to show them or share them, it's up to you. But um, there was an explosion that was captured on a couple of different um, webcams, uh, excuse me, webcams, uh, phones, uh, video cameras that looks like a tactical nuke, and the reason that I would say that is the way that the explosion happened. Now, they say that it happens at a chemical plant. I've never seen just one simple explosion at a chemical plant uh, the way that this one works, and then it just dissipates and goes away. Typically, there's um, explosions upon explosions. There's some kind of debris or residue. Uh, this actually had a shockwave and an EMP effect on a couple of these cameras where the cameras just cut out right after the um, the explosion happened, which would which would lead one to believe that it was a, a tactical, tactical nuclear weapon. And Josh, you said that you'd seen other videos like this before, so let's uh, let's go through that really briefly, and then we'll go to Obama and the um, and the Muslims. Sure. Well, there there was one particular clip. I believe it was in October, November of last year. Uh, this this explosion, this most recent explosion, whatever it was, the footage was taken at night, mm -hmm. uh, so you can see kind of the spectacular colors and the mushroom shaped cloud uh, very clearly. Uh, this earlier explosion, in which people kind of posited the similar theory that this could have been a small tactical nuclear device being detonated um, in the Donetsk region. Um, this this earlier one was the footage was taken during the day and has very similar effects. The shockwave is incredibly large, you know, going on for for miles and and knocking out lots of um, of shattering windows and pushing over buildings, uh, th things like this. Um, and of course, uh, it was none other than Heinz Kissinger, uh, who originally posited the use of tactical nuclear weapons uh, in in kind of limited war conflicts such as the Ukraine satellite wars. Uh, he wrote that in uh, the late 50s, early 60s. It's the book that kind of put him on the map um, for, for the Rockefeller Foundation. Now, we also have to bear in mind that Henry Kissinger is good friends with Vladimir Putin. Uh, they've dined at each other's houses. Uh, Vladimir Putin has quotes um, saying essentially he's a wonderful thinker and a good friend. Um, so <laughs> we have this very interesting dialectic, you know, where the East-West may very well kind of be like the Republicans and Democrats here. You know, where they, you know, put on a po dog and pony show and then go get, you know, steak and fine wine afterwards or whatever these people eat. Um. And and the reason we're bringing this up is because we're going to get into this later a little bit later. Um, the 
the idea of using a tactical nuclear weapon is uh, is terrifying because it moves into it doesn't seem like it has a cap to me, Josh. It doesn't seem like it has a governor. You know, you start using one or two of these things, then you start using a bigger one, and then um, eventually um, logic would tend to lean towards the idea that we might uh, have a nuclear standoff, and I don't think anybody wants that anywhere in the world because, as you and I well know, it doesn't matter what um, what kind of logic you have in this, um, I guess, in this demented world where you think that your country will win. Once again, nationalism rearing its ugly head, you know, saying that um, that loyalty to the state is over loyalty to other human beings. So this idea that um, that we can just nuke people and everything will be fine. Remember the um, I think it was the CIA came out with a study that said that. Um, that they figured out a way to um, to survive a nuclear um, a Russian attack, a nuclear Russian attack. They actually released a report on this. So ridiculous. Well, what were well, you? The saying? Rand Corporation did something very similar in the '60s, and in 1961, uh, John F. Kennedy actually, you know, his the entirety of his military top brass was infiltrated by the Rand Corporation to to a large extent. And universally, his his chief advisors came to him and said, "We can win a limited tactical nuclear exchange. You should launch tomorrow." Mm-hmm. Uh, and John Kennedy, of course, said, "I'm not doing that because if I were a uh, station chief in Moscow and I saw mushroom clouds over my lo- my nearest city, I." I would launch everything that I had. And of course, he was right because he had common sense and he wasn't a crazy psychopath who thought he could win nuclear wars. Um, But Jake, I really I really do. While I don't discount the possibility of the use of limited tactical nuclear exchanges or or especially a nuclear false flag of some sort Mm -hmm. um, being foisted on the American people. I think the threat of nuclear war and the fear, the the primal fear that that brings out of people Mm -hmm. is far more uh, advantageous to the to the power brokers uh, than actual nuclear war because they themselves you know want a nice planet to live on mm-hmm. once we're all gone mm-hmm. and uh, of course we know that you know uh, the explosion of three nuclear weapons um, you know of of enough magnitude would completely and utterly destroy the ozone layer and mm-hmm. render life on this planet impossible uh, which kind of begs the question you know silver nitrate kind of mimics the um, the ionosphere and and parts of the ozone layer in that respect. Mm-hmm. So uh, why are they spraying silver nitrate along with aluminum and barium in the skies? That's a conspiracy um, theory. Even though <laughs> that they had a guy go on Comedy Central and explain to you exactly how they were going to do it. I'll see if I can find that clip where he's on yep. there talking about the geoengineering. He's like, well, let's just say if we were going to do this, what we would do. First, we wouldn't tell the public, and then we would go and spray stuff on them to reflect. It's the same stuff that you talk about when you went to um, when you went to University of Michigan, and um, not to shift topics or anything, guys. We're just kind of going with the conversation. But um, well, you talked about it. The University of Michigan said, yes, there is geoengineering, but what it is is fine particulate matter that um, that reflects the uh, the rays of the sun that actually help um, help cool cool the earth. What was their what was their uh, reasoning for it? I can't they remember. Say it helps to to combat global warming by reflecting uh, the rays from the sun. In fact, the statistic that they cited in that class it was essentially an environmentalism one hundred and one class that you were forced to take, and there was a chapter on geoengineering. Uh, and the the statistic that they cite is after 9/11, when there was a no-fly zone oh. over America for two days, the the planet you know got two degrees hotter than than, than statistical norms. Uh, so there you go, it's proof, Jake. Uh, the funny thing is, if you were to search chemtrails in Start Page or DuckDuckGo, or if you desire to Google, um, <laughs> you would find you would. You know, you would be taken to a lot of different websites, uh, some of which have a lot of good information, others that are wackadoodle crazy. But if you were to search geoengineering uh, on something like uh, Google Academics, uh, then you would be uh, displayed, given a litany of studies uh, by, you know, Harvard, Yale, uh, Stanford, the University of Michigan, uh, top level universities that have been studying this for many, many decades and have indeed admitted that these programs have have been enacted um, at least since the mid-90s. So, uh, I mean, again, it's this terminology game that they play. Chemtrails, that's a conspiracy theory. Geoengineering, on the other hand, even though it's the same thing, that's, oh, okay, well, we got to do that. It's for the planet, Jake. Come on. (laughs) You don't love the trees, Jake? You got to love the earth, man. Listen, we're all going to freeze, even though... All this, you know, all of the climate changers people and uh, climate kids, you know what? 
Hashtag climate kids. Um, told you fucking so. That's all I got to say. Because it's all starting to come out now that they falsified the records back to the 50s in order to create, you know, taking the lower end of the measurements so they could create this this idea of a of a warming planet. Once again, the hypothesis that the Earth even stays stagnant is ridiculous to begin with. We got freaking volcanoes and stuff erupting everywhere, earthquakes. To, to, to have an idea that this is a stable planet that we live on, you guys are bonkers. And guess what? corporations that you know the top 50 corporations pollute more than all of the citizens around the world including china don't worry about them no no no. it's all about us we're bad we're the ones that did it it's you it's you driving your car look at my leaf even though you know even though my lithium battery costs more in lives to actually dig out of the ground over in afghanistan than it does to put oil in your car that's probably and then i'm going to go use a coal fire power plant uh, coal power yeah, coal fire. Coal fired power plant. Yeah, Thank you. you. Were right the first time. Tongue twister, man. <laughs> Tongue twister. So it's just this game, like you said, Josh. It's all games. It's like, oh no, climate change is real, but global warming's not real. But you guys just said global warming. Then in the seventies, it was global cooling. You know, John P. Holdren, the the science czar, in his book wrote about global cooling. But now he's a big proponent of global warming and climate change. Like, so you see the the word games that are played here. And if you don't have critical thinking skills and you can't just step back from yourself and not believe the bullshit, then um, I- I'm sorry. I hate to hate to break it to you. Sorry for the uh, profanity right there, guys. But this stuff makes me emotional because it's just it's so ridiculous. And they cite the study of, you know, well, 98 percent of scientists agree. Yeah, they agreed on the three questions that they asked them that were extremely vague given to them by the Rand Corporation. So there's no way that they can actually answer the question with any sense of logic. There was no outside of the box thinking. It was just the Delphi is, method. Yeah, the Delphi method where it's up. just. Is it possible? Well, sure, anything's possible. A damn crater or meteor could hit here tomorrow. That's possible. Is it likely? Probably not. But anyway, are you are you are you do you find that very likely, likely or somewhat likely? Well, anyway, there you go. It's all likely. Oh my god, it's very likely that, that the humans are causing this. So anyway, um, sorry, climate kids. I mean, I love the Earth as much as the next person. Why don't you guys talk about something uh, other than climate change and um, and the thing that drives me nuts, Josh, is they'll sit there and behind their computer or behind their smartphone and talk about climate change. It's like, okay, you really want to do something. You're, um, you're part of the problem. you got an oil-based product that's sitting right in front of you with a lithium battery that's really causing a lot of environmental damage. But you don't want to care about that. You'd rather lecture me and to get me into some paradigm that you believe exists. And it only belie- you only believe it exists because the smart people told you so. Well, smart people told us a lot of things in the past, and sometimes they're not always right. So well, it's like the overpopulation goons, man. Okay, you think the o- Earth is overpopulated, then how about we start with you? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, like Ted Turner. Oh, uh, the world's just got too many people. You got five kids, man. Start shooting. Let's go. <laughs> and I know I ha- I hate to have gallows humor people, but that's really what it is. At the end of the day, you have to understand that once you once you have critical thinking and you can take ideas and 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 put them in some semblance of a. Um, you know, a logical order, then uh, a lot of this stuff becomes becomes child's play. And it's not that we're trying to, you know, belabor the the emotions tied to these to these um, to these topics, because it's good to be emotional about something. It's good to be passionate. I'm passionate about what I do, but I'm also passionate about not buying into BS. And if you're passionate about not buying into BS, then you have to call BS when you see it. So well, there's a difference between someone weeping over war crimes and a toddler crying because they didn't get their candy, right? Right. You know, one one is an expression of deep understanding and emotional wisdom and, and and a deep sorrow. The other is a temper tantrum that children throw. And we live in a country of mental midgets and mental children. So, you know, you can't really expect anything other than childish temper tantrums from children. All by design, too. But, yeah, don't look at that portion of it either, people. You know, it's just Ooh. all these conspiracy theorists... That- that are connecting dots. That's all they do is connect dots. You know, it's really ridiculous. Anyway, so let's close the uh, Ukrainian topic out and our very nice diatribe on the fact that um, people will basically buy anything as long as... what Was it a nuke? Wasn't it a nuke? I don't know. Go look at the video yourself. Yeah, once again, uh, my new catchphrase for this year, you know, look at the evidence, think about it for yourself, and who knows, you might form an opinion that may be right because sometimes... Listen it, to all... Follow none. Yes. Walk your own path the best oh. you can. 
That was very Nietzsche. What was that? Nietzsche? What? Uh, no, that was Chris Duane. Oh, not even close. So anyway, <laughs> all right, moving on from that. All right, so now we've got the last topic ahead. And Josh, I was so nice to send you the copy of the authorization that our dear leader would like to put into place because, well, well, we couldn't go blow up Assad a couple of years ago. First, we were with Assad. Then we were against Assad. We were with East Asia. We're always against East Asia. What is it? But now we've got a very clear, broad, nonsensical strategy. So, Josh, would you mind reading the president's uh, request for authorization of the use of military force against the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levitate? Or the what, Levant? Levant. Levant. Yeah. Excuse Ch- my Changing language. that name again. Good right, God. How many different so, caliphates? Uh, Caliphates, Levant, what would we do? All right, so um, go ahead, man, and read this loving document that, um, that's very specific, by the way, very specific. Sure thing. J- just go ahead and give me a high sign when you want me to stop. Okay, go Section ahead. Section one, short title. I, maybe they forgot to put the real title, but it just says short title. It should, could have been even been shorter title. It could have been bro- Bombing Brown People by the U.S. government. All right, go ahead. <laughs> This joint resolution may be cited as the authorization for use of military force against the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. Section 2. Authorization for use of United States Armed Forces. Authorization. The President is authorized, subject to the limitations in subsection C, to use the armed forces of the United States as the President determines to be necessary and appropriate against ISIL. Or associated persons or forces as defined in Section 5. Yeah, and that's under the War Powers Act, which, by the way, he does have the authorization to do this. But there was this little pesky term that they got rid of, and that was if it was an immediate threat. And that's why you always hear them say that it's a threat to national security because that's the BS excuse that they get to use the War Powers Act for to go bomb people. So continue, Mr. Josh. War Powers Resolution Requirements. Oh, interesting. One. <laughs> Specific statutory authorization. Mm-hmm. Consistent with Section 8A1 of the War Powers Re- Resolution, Congress declares uh, that this section is intended to constitute specific statutory authorizations within the meaning of Section 5B of the War Powers Resolution. Uh, applicability of other requirements. Nothing in this section supersedes any requirement of the War Powers Resolution. Limitations. This None. is the fun. Oh, wait, they actually put a limitations in there. Uh, well, we, we need to scratch that, but we actually got to put something in there. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the authority granted in subsection A does not authorize the use of the United States Armed Forces in enduring offensive ground combat operations. The hell does enduring mean? Uh, like Operation Iraqi Enduring Freedom? I don't right. know, man. Yeah, keep going. Mm. Duration of this authorization... The authorization for the use of military force shall terminate three years after the date of this enactment of this joint resolution, unless reauthorized. Okay, so, um, term up, not this, not in three years. When is it up? Oh, it's mm. this is going to be up one year after Obama's term is up. So, gee, I wonder what's going to happen. Is there going to be another reauthorization of this policy? Hmm. I've never seen that happen before in American politics, so I would say that that is a big fat yes, sir. Um, and uh, I'll let you go ahead, man. Go ahead and do your mm-hmm. thing. Prep for prep for your reading. All right, now you can go. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The president shall report to Congress at least once every six months on specific actions taken pursuant to this authorization. Section okay, so five. he's going to go. Yay! We got some brown people. We got a we got a leader. We got uh, an Al Qaeda leader. Go ahead. All right, we're we're still rolling. Hey, folks. That's what he always says. Hey, folks. All right, go mm-hmm. ahead. Associated folks or forces <laughs> defined. <laughs> Beautiful. In this joint resolution, the term associated persons or forces means individuals and, and or organizations fighting for, on behalf of, or alongside ISIL or any closely related su- successor entity in hostilities against the United States or its coalition partners. Whoa, 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 whoa. Closely related? Closely related successor? That means any derivative, any derivative of ISIL, if you just and, – and that's why, Josh, that's why you're seeing this meme of ISIS-inspired. It's in something inspired terrorists. That means if they can create the idea that somebody has been inspired by ISIL, then they can kill you wherever you are because that is hostilities towards the United States. Do you see why I wanted you to read this? This is good stuff, right? This is fun. It's just, it's just hilarious – 
insanity, Jake, when you realize, like, okay. No, there, come on, keep reading, wonderful... keep reading. Come on, let's let's get through uh, this. Oh, that that's actually it. All right, last one. Section 6, repeal of authorization for use of military force against Iraq. The authorization for the use of military force against Iraq resolution of 2002 is hereby repealed. Okay, so they just basically closed out one part of the books, and now they're opening in a whole new balance sheet over here. So what were you going to say, man? So... Uh, I'm going to link to that as well in the show notes, everyone. So um, that is good stuff. Look at that. We get to bomb whoever we want. You're a derivative of a derivative of the subsection group of the derivative. And it's enduring. It's enduring, too. So that means that it's going to last forever. Woohoo! Jake, they're running the exact same game plan that they did in the post 9 11 world. Triple uh, reverse. reverse flea flicker touchdown. As I've said many times, they people they run the same play every time. It's like if I'm sitting in the stands, like, hey, here comes the triple reverse flea flicker touchdown. Then they run it and score a touchdown, and everybody looks at me and goes, hey, how did how you know they're going to do that? Um, because their book of tricks isn't really that big, and we'll talk about the manufactured false flags also, Josh, and about how the book of tricks is only at chapter one. We're, we might even just be out of the intro now, and just in chapter one, we're just running basic psyops. And people are still buying it. Go ahead. So what were you going to say about all this nonsense? Oh, I I was going to say that, you know, given that they're running the very similar post-9-11 game plan yet again, uh, James Corbett did an excellent documentary series back in 2007 or 2008. You can still find it on YouTube. Uh, It's entitled Al-Qaeda Doesn't Exist. Uh, And Al-Qaeda doesn't exist. It's not a terrorist organization. Well, I mean, some of these people are terrorists quantifiably, but as an organization, Al-Qaeda does not exist. They never used that term, Al-Qaeda, to describe themselves. It was essentially a large database that the CIA was keeping on these disparate, kind of disconnected, um, regional militaristic groups, you know, who had very different intentions in many different areas, and just decided to lump them all together in one group and call them Al-Qaeda. And uh, we see a very similar uh, kind of uh, dialectic playing out with ISIS. Uh, and, you know, in fact... in, in Or ISIL. In, let's, let's talk about the right group here. It's ISIL, Josh. Come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was just a little bit too blatant, you know, naming it after an Egyptian goddess. Yeah, you can't really do that. Film. You can't really do that, especially with you guys and your numerology crazy people. So go ahead. Uh, like uh, Christine Lagarde? Yeah, I have to have that clip, by the way. If you can pull it up on YouTube before the show's over, we'll have to listen to it. All right, so go ahead, man. Continue. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I would posit just a very similar theory about uh, ISIS slash ISIL slash whatever the hell they'll call them next, mm-hmm. uh, that ISIS as an organization probably doesn't exist. Uh, and this group of people that you have running around in the desert in North Africa and uh, and Western Syria uh, these people are essentially, you know, the the kind of core of a militant group that's being funded and supported almost exclusively by NATO. Mm-hmm. And these people probably, some of them might be actual Islamic fundamentalists, um, but they know where their bread is buttered, essentially. And everyone else kind of that they're trying to lump into that group, like Boko Haram uh, or, you know, some of these other uh, terroristic groups that, that are rising in North Africa that are supposedly donning the moniker of ISIS. Um, but every time I see them with an, with a like uh, even on CNN's homepage, this is how stupid people are. They show like ISIS, ISIL, and like uh, you know all these different people, and they're showing them with damn Al Qaeda flags. Yeah. Well, when you read their um, their internal press releases that they put out in English, so and they're very very they have good grammar and you know good spelling too, right? Which is interesting. Uh, almost like they're written Mo- by a native English speaker. Most operatives <laughs> do. Um, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> But uh, they, they never refer to themselves as ISIS. They always and have always referred to themselves as the Mujahideen, mm. uh, which, of course, is what they've been referring to themselves as since 1979 when Zbigniew Brzezinski and Jimmy Carter created the Mujahideen. So there's that. <sighs> All right. All right. So we're, we're about out of time here, everybody. This has, been a, this has been a blast. It's actually been fun doing it twice. So um, we didn't bumble around in the first segment like we did. Oh, that was a warm-up, Josh. We got to... We got a 30-minute warm-up for, for the show this morning. So um, any takeaways from you before we, uh, before we sign off here and, um, and do our um, thanks to everyone for listening and all that good stuff? 
Question everything, and even though we didn't talk about it, if you think the Bricks is coming to save you from yourselves, you're a moron. <laughs> uh, the right and the left hand. No, oh, it's so much fun. You and I had a great discussion about that, and we'll have to get into that on the next show probably, um, of why why we're talking about the Bricks and why most Americans, uh, if you know anything about it, are kind of looking for this and cheering for it. Like it'll be something that'll be anti-Federal Reserve if you understand the, the depths of the Federal Reserve system and fractional reserve banking and why that's so dangerous because um, anytime that there has been any kind of fractional reserve banking, whether it be Rome where they were actually printing wooden nickels and things like that because they were coining their own currency to create a a war economy or it was the Weimar Republic in Germany. Well, that was actually because of the reparations from World War I but all kinds of other different things. So – or was it it two separate wars, Josh, or was it one – was it one war or – Two? I don't know. People in Europe really didn't stop shooting at each other for about 40 years, so uh, you tell me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was over, and the United States said it was over, so that means that it was done. So, But uh, just stuff going on now in, in the American public, and hopefully we can get some people to, um, to come to some logical conclusions here and the fact that uh, maybe, just maybe, we're not getting the whole truth. Oh, that reminds me. Yes, here we go, Josh. And we'll end the show with this because this is just um, um, some good stuff. Hey, guess what, everybody? Watch what you say on Facebook because guess what's coming? Now, everyone knows that putting a happy, sad, or angry icon at the end of your message is nothing more than a bit of fun, really. But for one teenager, that simple action landed him in a whole lot of hot water. Brooklyn teen, Cyrus Aristi, posted on Facebook a status like this. Only instead of an abstract face, he used a cartoon representation of a police officer. Days later, the NYPD arrested Aristi for making a terrorist threat. A grand jury has thrown out the charges, which carried up to seven years in prison. But Aristi is still facing time for illegal gun possession. The NYPD say they found a weapon in his bedroom when they came to arrest him. The teen's lawyer told us the case is just bizarre. There's, there's, no, there's no precedent, there's no legal precedent for equating emojis with with terroristic threats and i think that's part of the the novelty of of this case it's it's so unusual no it's not unusual it is setting the precedent that anything that you say whether it is a damn emoji if you use a computer icon that's terrorism and this is what what planet am i on um i'm i'm gonna close this out with a lewis carroll quote okay good but I don't want to go among mad people, Alice remarked. Oh, you can't help that, said the cat. We're all mad here. I'm mad. You're mad. How do you know I'm mad, said Alice. You must be, said the cat, or you wouldn't have come here. <laughs> this is total bizarro land. Yes, every- through the looking glass, man. Yes, everybody, you heard correctly. The guy put an emoji. Now, the emoji was of somebody, I think it was somebody shooting a, a cop, like he used like a little cartoon cop. But it's not like he was threatening anybody personally. It's not like it's not he was like we have a First Amendment in this country or anything, you know. What's that? Oh, jeez, I don't know. The only one I I have memorized is the Sixteenth because it's my favorite. Oh, okay, good. That one's good too, and the Tenth is great. Also, so anyway, the um <laughs> the the one thing that I wanted to say is that on the No Agenda show, this was pretty funny because um. And uh, I love these guys. So once again, listen to them if you want. Uh, it's, a, it's a great alternative for people that listen to Alex Jones. If you get tired of Alex Jones bombastic um, ranting about nonsense and then trying to sell you products. And once again, not knocking capitalism or anything, but um, it's um, – anyway, I don't even want to talk about it. So they talked about how um, John Dvorak, who you've been following for a long time, um, said that uh, he let this girl listen to the show – and she said, and she was like one of these models or something like that in Hollywood, and this was on their last show, said that she was afraid to listen to the show because she may be arrested. So this is the idea of self-censorship, Josh, and this is what I told you about, is that we've gotten into this paradigm now where everybody starts self-censoring, and then it's like, oh, you can't say that. Oh, you can't. Can you say that? And then everybody okay. starts questioning what we can say. And once again, the idea of free speech, Josh, free speech doesn't protect just speech that I like. It protects speech that I don't like. That's the whole purpose of it is the, is the idea that you can protect somebody's speech for things that you don't agree with. 
But what we find now is a shift towards this idea of political correctness, which was started in Soviet Russia that everybody knows. And then the, the language gets smaller and smaller and smaller until now we can't even post damn emoticons or you're going to get arrested. Well, Jake, this is – And uh, conveniently, think... they found a gun, by the way, Josh. Oh, just mm. – whoa, right there on the bed. Look at that. Just right there. Yeah. Like sprinkling some coke on a black guy <laughs> right before you drag him in the back of the car. Uh, but this is uh, this is the point uh, – was the point, I should say, of, of the Snowden psyop that we've discussed. I don't know if we've ever discussed it on air. The first purpose of a, a dragnet domestic surveillance program is, of course, intelligence gathering and analysis. The second part is psychological warfare. The psychological warfare part, the self-censorship part, only works if your target population knows they're being spied on. That's it. So that was the point, people. Well, that's it for the show. That was a great way to close it right there. So guess what, everybody? You're all being spied on. Whether you care to believe it or not, it is happening. And every time you pick up one of these fancy-dancy devices that connects you with the interwebs and goes searching around, they are watching you. And not to scare you once again... This is just to empower you because if you tell the status quo to go F itself, then it'll typically leave you alone unless you go and rack a shotgun in the middle of Freedom Plaza and then they're probably going to show up at your door with a flashbang or something like that. Shouts out to you, Adam Kokesh. Love you, brother. All right, so that's it for the show, everybody. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. And also, don't forget to take all the information that you have been given. Think about it for yourself. Formulate your own opinion. And then who knows, someday you may be right. Thanks for listening. Oh, you deserve your freedom. Freedom. Dancing, feeling that beautiful.